Amen. Well, today I thought I'd talk to you about recognizing the body of Christ. How to recognize the body of Christ. We know we all have that ability you know you'll go to uh, say a conference or a, a, another church or another assembly of believers and right away you feel at home you feel uh, welcome uh, you know if the spirit of Christ dominates there I put it that way because there's sometimes you'll go into assemblies where you know they're they're uh, roll their eyes at you if you lift your hand up and all that little crazy stuff so but you know that's not the body of Christ you know that is a religious body or a li- religious gathering is not always the same but I thought I would share with you some of the attributes of the body of Christ so you'll know because it's important to know uh, I think there's a lot of um, deception in the world there's a lot of mistaking there's a lot of um, compromise and embracing things that the body of Christ that are not characteristic to the Lord's body and so we need to always be discerning and always be understanding of uh, who we are and and, uh, and and you want to stay with the body of Christ if you're uh, born again into this body you want to stay with the body uh, because that's where the uniqueness comes in we are a unique body of believers we are unique people a people who have never been here before uh, the bible says that if any man you know be in christ we are a new creature old things are passed away all things have become new that word new creature actually means new creation or new species we're uh, uh, that that uh uh, rare breed that has never been uh, identified before. You know, we're we're better than uh, an archaeological find. You know, they're always looking for the missing link to link man to uh, the other <coughs> species of the earth. Of course, they never find it. Uh, Brother Hagen said, not Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland said, they're not going to find it because it's missing. There is no link. You got me, and so <laughs> so anyway. Uh, but but we are a new type of creature. We are a new species. Uh, Jesus Christ being the firstborn of many brethren, the Word of God says. But I think it's very very important to recognize who we are and how to recognize who we are. Uh, first of all, we're a redeemed body. We are are a unique in that we have life before. We meet the Lord, but we are redeemed and purchased out of that life into another life. So that purchase is valid and it's real and it's accomplished. We are an intact body. We're whole. We don't have anything missing from us. So we're not sitting here waiting for anything to happen so that we can be complete. We are already that. We are a self-nourishing and a self-healing body. You need to know that. We are infused with divine life. So we're unique in that sense as well. No other group, no other faction, no other anything can claim this. We are able to protect and defend ourselves against any enemy that comes against us. And we're able to reproduce after our own kind. So we are a vibrant, uh, life-giving, reproductive body. 
<coughs> the fact that we're redeemed. So we'll take these as, as you know as we can, and we'll talk about one at a time. The fact that we are a redeemed body means that there must have been value in us prior to our purchase. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So in other words he gave us another chance. That's that's characteristic of the body of Christ. Even though we understand that we're, we're doomed to failure if we don't receive our salvation. We are given the chance to receive the Lord. And so the fact that we are redeemed means <clears throat> that there must have been value in us prior to our purchase. That value has always been known by God but it's not known by us. And in our darkened condition we feel valueless. And that's very very common of people before uh, they come into a new life in God. Uh, They feel like there's something missing. They feel that they're not worthwhile. All of these things. But God proves that we are people of worth by our redemption. While we were yet sinners he died for us. So he paid the highest price when we were at our lowest value. To be honest with you. Uh, There's so many stories in the Bible uh, that are similar to our story. The story about Hosea and Gomer is one that's very very likened to us. uh, That we were wayward and we went our own way and didn't care about God. But he redeemed us anyway. Because he had mercy on us and he looked down and saw people who didn't know what was going on in life and and, uh, had mercy and had pity upon us and offered us the life of his son. Offered us an exchange so that we could be totally redeemed. That word redeemed has a a kind of a unique um, a definition in the the Hebrew uh, language, there that word next of kin pops up when you see the word redeemed. Next of kin. Next of kin. Now, what that really means, as far as Hebrew culture is concerned, is that there was a legitimacy to us prior to our redemption. And we got separated from our legitimacy and it took somebody who understood our value like the next of kin would and come in and redeem us. So the the story about you know Ruth and Boaz that's the one that people talk about all the time you know and I see you know these little stories you know of course you know in, in the women's ministries they always have you know you're waiting on your Boaz well actually Boaz was waiting on Ruth you know a a marriage is more than a financial arrangement a marriage legitimizes that family A family is illegitimate without a marriage, folks. Come on now. You can call that a family if you want to. But without a marriage that's, that's recognized by God as a legal marriage, there's no family. Oh. Ruth already had an inheritance. Man, 
She was married to a Hebrew. And he, they, uh, all of the men in the family died. And they, what, what happens is the women cannot claim an inheritance unless they are married by a near kinsman, a close relative, so that they can receive their full inheritance. She wasn't waiting on a rich man to come and rescue her. You know, that's a typical welfare mentality story. If I can say that. We're not welfare mentality. Never were. Never should be. Never, Even in your darkened condition. In your unsaved condition. You weren't welfare material. You already had an inheritance laid up and waiting for you. All you were waiting for was somebody to play by the rules to legitimize your inheritance. That's what Boaz did. Ruth was able to get the inheritance of her deceased husband. That family. That's why she took. they took Naomi in as well. Because she was a participant in that. So it wasn't like Naomi was extra baggage and looking to Ruth to take care of her. Both of these women received a legitimate inheritance that the kinsman redeemer provided for them. And Boaz was not a hustler. He had wealth of his own. So they both had an inheritance that increased when they got married and came together. It's the same thing with us in Christ. His worth and value in the earth increases with every soul that's born again. So we have value. We have an inheritance that's been laid up for us. We were disinherited by sin and separation from God. But a near kinsman redeemer has come to claim us, pay the ransom. So that we can be knit back into the family of God. So we're unique individuals in that way. No other type of person like us has ever existed before. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. In other words anything that you think that you're not forgiven of. Just drop it in a hurry because that's not true. We don't carry our past life into this current life. Now the devil might chase us down and try to get us to think we do. But you're not a sinner anymore. You know you're not a a drunkard anymore. You're not a, a weak person anymore. You have divine life in you. You have a new inheritance in God. And so my my uh, uh, recommendation to anybody who thinks they're struggling with their old life is to focus on the new. You know forget those things that are behind. God redeemed you for the purpose of you not focusing on that anymore. In Galatians 3.13 it tells us. He says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So there's no bad news chasing you down. There's no people looking for you because you owe them something. Well, I don't know about that, but you know what I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all do what y'all do. You understand what I'm saying? But you know what I mean. Nobody chasing you down. You know, somebody that you did wrong or you wonder when they're going to come by. And is a dope man coming to get that last $30 I owe him? He ain't showing up. You're a new creature. You don't owe him anything. Old things are passed away. God's paid all your debts. Past, present, and future. Huh? 
You know, a lot of Christians, people get saved and they have bad habits. God knew you had bad habits when he saved you, but he saved you anyway. So there's no penalty. Now, he'll make provision for you to pay your debts. Don't think you can go out and make bills as a Christian and get out of them. Huh? Living slipshod and frivolous. You got me? Your tithe isn't hush money, so God don't come and get you and make you pay your bills. Huh? Come on now. Let's quit thinking carnal. Let's start thinking up there where Christ is. But he gives you ability to take care of everything. Everything that you do here on earth is cared for by God. You got me? It's cared for by God. There's a remedy and there's a solution to it. We all make mistakes after we're saved. We all do. And it's not because we're trying to do wrong many times. It's many times we're trying to do right and make mistakes. And so God covers all of that. In Isaiah 44, if you'll turn there for a minute. <clears throat> Isaiah 44 in verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You shall not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud. Anybody try to see through a cloud? You can't see through. When you look up, all you see is that cloud. You don't see anything behind it. He says, I blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions and as a cloud your sins. Return to me for I have redeemed you. So it's safe now to return to God because he has redeemed us. To redeem also means to loosen. You've been loosened from the grip of the world. Don't ever think when you get saved the world has as strong a grip on you as it used to have. That grip is loosened. Now I, I, won't, I will say this. The devil might make a strong bid for you. But he can't have you. As long as you have faith in God and you're believing God. God, you know your power is much greater than that. The greater one lives in me. He can't have me back. I've been loosened from the bonds of sin. You have been ransomed. In other words, there has been a legitimate set price paid for you. You know how uh, kidnappers are. You never give them enough money. Well, uh, that ransom, we, we jacked the price up. No, it's always been the same price. It's a life for a life. The blood of his son and his shed blood is paid for us. We are bought with a price. The highest price. Nobody can outbid God for us. There's no higher price to be paid. It's the price set by God for our redemption. We have been avenged and delivered. In other words, the, the, God has extracted vengeance upon our enemy. So you don't have to run around looking for the devil so you can beat him up. You have peace about that. You don't try to find out I'm going to pay somebody back and all of that. That's been done already. The Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show. Uh So if he's already been shown up to be worthless and and toothless and a liar and, and a thief and all of that, what more do we want to do? 
Huh? So you enforce what God's done. You're not trying to get back at the devil for this or that. You know, I, I know sometimes we'll make uh, statements like that, but we know that that price has been paid already. God's extracted the vengeance necessary. Most important thing is that your soul has been set free from the power of the enemy. You don't have to strive over that anymore. You're free. So in Galatians 3.13 it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. So there's the exchange. There's the price having been paid. This isn't something that you just believe and you don't have any validation or it's not a real fact. This is something that has taken place and it, it, it is legitimate. There's evidence that we are blood purchased. There's evidence that there's new life in us. We have been sealed by the Holy Holy Spirit of promise. So when the the new birth takes place, it's an actual new birth. We are born of the Spirit of God. And so it's a real real thing that transpires. It's not an imaginary thing. It's not something we're waiting on. It's not a pretend thing. It has actually happened already. So it's safe for us to return to God. Because we're redeemed. The price has been paid. There's nothing hanging out between us and God. There's nothing that he's wanting to hold us back because of this. You know, there's nothing there anymore, folks. It's it's all an imaginary thing in people's minds many times. Well, I didn't do this right and I didn't do that right. And quit li- keep living, you're going to do some more wrong stuff. But that's already been blotted out like a cloud. Amen. It, it's been taken care of. Do you think God did a halfway salvation for us? He did a halfway redemption for us. And it's good as long as you do so and so. No, it's always good. See, when God, it's always good. Whatever He does, it lasts forever. It doesn't stop when you have a, a, a wrong thought. It doesn't stop. His love doesn't stop when you uh, veer off or quit coming to church or sit at home and smoke a cigarette or whatever you think you're doing that makes you bad. Huh? <laughs> you know, people kill me. They always want to think they're testing the water. The only thing you're doing is wasting your time. You could be spending your time doing something productive for God. You're out there doing dumb stuff you did when before you were a teenager. It's nonsense. And so we, we need to, to, you know, mature and, and get, get this show on the road. Recognize who we are. Recognize everything's God done for us and appreciate it by living for him not living in this corner wondering if oh I wonder what I wonder 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 you know the world of wondering is not God's world his world is sure his world's definite his world is eternal this world has goodness and light in it and the fruit of the spirit for us to enjoy and so that wandering world is not a world that God created for the redeemed we have been purchased out of the land of wandering the world of guessing not being sure all of that we don't have that anymore that comes from darkness so we've been bought with a price that's a full payment for us it's not just a down payment it's not just a partial payment it's not something else is owing and we got to do something more it's full payment for us we are totally redeemed so he was made sin for us he was made a curse for us because he hanged on a tree 
So his his death satisfied everything that was prophesied about us. He could have died for us, but if he hadn't died on the tree, the curse would not be broken. You got me? So everything that Jesus did was prescribed in advance for him to fulfill so that we could have 100% complete redemption. It's We're not waiting on our deliverance. We're not waiting on a deliverance service so we can be delivered. We're not waiting on anything. We are redeemed. You know, I I know I I can um, remember uh, some people when when we would have healing school and they would uh, share testimony. And many times people would be healed on the way to the meeting. Well, you were healed already. You know that proves it. Sometimes we need to know that. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes your faith needs to be built after you get to the meeting and you get healed. You got me? And so there are certain things that, that we that are undeniable about our redemption and our purchase. The fact that God sent a, a man fulfills the kinsman redeemer. When Jesus took on the form of a man. That's the kinsman redeemer. He's near kin. He's got skin on. You know if you cut him he bleeds. If you hit him that's painful. It's just like he's a human being. 100% percent God and 100 percent man so he fulfills all of that he had to refill requirements as a priest for the people he's taken from among men Bible says every high priest is taken from among men why so he can know how you live you know our problem now is we got priests who are trying to be better than us hmm you got pastors that live in mansions. The congregation don't even have their address. They don't have a clue. They might think they just fall out of the sky every Sunday. I don't know. But they don't live among the people. They don't live like the people. They don't identify with the people. You know, you could live a life of denial and still serve God. And so we have to recognize that the body of Christ has been purchased by a high priest who actually lived with the people. He walked among them. He walked every, he didn't have a limo service that, you know, carted him in, you know, with first class tickets everywhere. He lived among the people. And so this is very, very important for our identity in the body of Christ. If you belong to Christ, you belong to a great high priest who was taken from among men, lived among them, walked among them, ate with them, uh, you know, took care of their families, helped them take care of uh, the people that, that they cared about. He cared about them. He created a family of people. And that's something that's also characteristic about the body of Christ. Because we have the same spirit, we are a family. You got me? We are family. <laughs> whatever. You got me? Oh, whatever. <laughs> we are. First Peter one eight tells us also about our redemption. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Uh, I'm sorry, 18. It says here, for as, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. So really you're worth more than money. Huh? 
You are worth more than money. Why people sell out for material things I don't know. But we're worth more than money. We were not uh, redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. From your vain conversation. Received by tradition from your father. But with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish and without spot. So that's the price. Perfection purchased imperfection. Holiness purchased corruption. Immortality purchased mortality. So that we can go and we can get that infusion of immortal eternal life and live forever with him. So what God did in the new birth was permanent, was lasting, incorruptible, above the level of the earth that we live in. We are not of this world. We are a unique people and through redemption is the only way that you can have this new life. You've got to turn your back on sin and wickedness. You've got to be done with that. God's not going to share us with the world. And you know, when when you pay that kind of price, you've got to have somebody who's wholly dedicated and committed to you. That's our end of the bargain. That's what we give up. We give up everything that hurt us in life. You give up your selfishness, your sin, your your uh, degrading way of thinking about yourself, your degrading way of living, and, and other people living with you. You you let all of that go, and you receive the higher life that He has ordained, always ordained for us to live. He never ordained for us to live in sin. He never ordained for us to live in pain or sickness or lying or cheating or being cheated. All of that He never ordained that for His people. But he's always ordained that we would live above the level of, of the God of this world. Above Satan's power. Above his reach. Above everything. So in the, in, we are new creatures. Now our physical man is the same. We look just like we looked before we got saved. You know. It's, it's nice if you can refine that look. Let God show you. <laughs> how to how to dress up like his bride you got me and refine that look but but we are new creatures you know many times people get saved and want to disguise themselves in some kind of worldly garb but God knows who's his he'll make you stand out even though you're trying to look like the world he'll make you stand out as a new creature so you can't hide what he's done in you and you shouldn't want to you should allow the Lord to to dignify your countenance and dignify your your uh, witness down here on earth. Our physical man is the same, but we are new creatures, and everything's new. Everything's new. We have no record. You know, our fingerprints aren't on file somewhere. You know, is you know, they're criminals with with that kind of testimony. You know, I was facing you know 40 to life or something like that and and, you know none of the evidence came back as pointing to me you know and that kind of stuff and so God gives you a new life and a second chance he's not he's not you know winking at sin he's not soft on sin at all but he's overcome it there's a difference between being soft on it and overcoming it you got me and overcoming you confront it you call it what it is and you say we don't do that anymore we live higher and that's what overcoming is. You don't bend and bow to that old way of living. So all things are new. We have a new birth. We have a spiritual witness protection program that we live in. 
I was talking to somebody many years ago and they were newly saved and they were you know I was nervous about so and so and such and such and uh they would say uh, they if they went to the market and they ran into somebody and they would say oh hi how you doing and so and she said I would look at him and wonder now where do I know them <laughs> do I know him from the drug den or do you know what I'm saying I mean you know when you live that kind of life this year and she said never ever did anybody from my old life pop up with something to accuse me of you understand what I'm saying where that's passed away you got me anything you fear from your old life if you can't confront it and overcome it it will never face you and so God proves to us that we are new creatures with no we're the ones who keep bringing up the past you know if if we could let it go it, it would be so much better but you know we keep feeding into it so the devil comes looking for us but he can't find us Bible says your life is hid with Christ in God he can't find you can't find you so sinners need to know that it's safe to return to God you know it's forgiven it's forgiven if you confess it's forgiven you turn your back on this life of sin and it's forgiven he will accept you he'll give you the new birth cleanse you wash you amen you can't be cleansed and washed from something you still want you got to not want that life anymore but once you come into that place in God he will recognize you and make you his own God wants people who are set apart to him he doesn't want you to still deal with the world be riffraffy that that's not what he wants I don't know of a, a human being that wants that you don't want to marry somebody who's going to cheat on you you want to marry somebody who's going to be faithful somebody when you come home you're not worried where they are not worried if they got somebody else they're more interested in you don't you don't commit to anything like that and so we don't do it and God doesn't do it so we are legitimate because of the new birth we have a legit claim to the good things of God you have a legitimate claim to the promises in the Bible to your inheritance so because you are redeemed and have a new birth means that you have an inheritance you have value you have worth your name is written down you were expected you're wanted you've been provided for everything you need is already provided for in the new birth and so once you're in you're in but you know the devil will always come trying to chase you down tell you what you ain't you can't have you this you that you know he's the old legalist throwing the book at you Uh the only book God shows you is your name written in the Lamb's book of life he writes his law in your heart he'll whisper to you to write things to do and he'll empower you to carry them out so it's not hard I don't know what people think about it. Christian life so hard I don't know what kind of life you're living but the life I see in the Bible is God has provided everything for me all I gotta do is not mess up you know what I'm saying when I say mess up I mean the biggie you know people get stupid no backslide and, and you know want to talk about the saints and all that do you just dig yourself in a hole when you do that and it's a hole you can't easily crawl out of condemnation keeps pushing you back in there 
And so you don't want to be one of those people that rides the edge all the time. You want to be in the middle and the perfect will of God. You want to please God. You want to let him know you appreciate what he's done for you. Anybody's done all that for you, you need to appreciate it. You know, and, and not want to take the easy way all the time. And, you know, and do the minimum and get the maximum. You want to be devoted to God. What else are you going to devote yourself to? There's nothing worth devoting to but him. And so when we have the new birth, we have the uh, a new identity, we are redeemed, we have an inheritance, we've been fully provided for. You don't you don't earn your provision as you go. You know, you walk by faith and faith allows opens the door for the provision to come into your life. But it's not earning it by any stretch of the imagination you couldn't earn it okay and so you you cooperate with God now I'm not saying it won't cost you anything there'll be many things you your mind might think you want to do but the Holy Spirit says uh-uh don't you go there that's not for you huh that's not for you everything in this world is not for us and we shouldn't want it we should have a different desire now. A different thing that satisfies us. We have a different taste for things. You know, a different understanding of life. You know, when you're a child, you children, when you put food in front of them, they're picky. What's this? I don't like that. You know, you know. <laughs> but you know, once it's explained to you that food is more than just your taste buds, you know, certain things in there you you need to have that. You know, that's got to be there. You know, and you begin to understand that that you need to be nourished and you need to be fed, and this is good for your spirit man to to focus on, and good for your spirit man to uh, to eat of this food and drink of this cup and so forth and so on. When you understand what it's for you have a maturity where you can expect oh boy you know let me let me get in the word it's it's not just gonna show me how wrong I am but I need this word because I need to grow here and I need to mature here and I need to come up out of just wanting everything easy all the time you got me and wanting to to get what I need for me all the time let me see if there's something I can do for God for a change you got me there are things that there there's assignments that have to be carried out by God's people there are things that that we must do if we stay open to it all we have to do is just ask God to enlarge our vision of who we are what he wants us to do and the impact that we can have in this world and so we we, we need to to constantly look for opportunities where God will use us to do his will in unique ways and in and, and, and unique new, unique opportunities for that it's maturity when you go out of the house you're not going out just to to go to the supermarket and get your food you're an ambassador for Christ everywhere that you go and you are are open and looking for and hungry for opportunities to share that life with somebody else and that's very very important and you can't do it if you're tied to the world you can't do it if you're wanting the things of the world because once you start just wanting for you you've divorced the Lord you got me because he doesn't he doesn't that's not his bride that's not his body so his body is a, a giving body we're redeemed we want to see people share in this life we know we're legitimate all of our needs are taken care of so that frees us up to do the will of God 
See, if you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, which is what guides the life of most human beings without God, then you are free to do what? You're free to serve God. Not run off and do what you want to do with your free, with your freedom. So it's it's very very important that we understand that's characteristic of the body of Christ. The redeemed of the Lord make themselves available to do the will of God. We are still His servants. In Colossians two, it tells us the body of Christ is an intact body. It's a whole body. There's nothing missing. In the body of Christ. You know it always amazes me. Christians will say well we need this and we need that. No we need to listen to God and obey him. You know that's just real simple. It's a very simple uh, system that he has here. Of, of uh, taking care of his body. And making sure that his body accomplishes what he set us here to do. But we need to know that we are intact and complete. Colossians 2.10 tells us that. It says, and you are complete in him. That means in Christ. Who is the head of all principality and power. So you're complete in him. You complete headship to rule down here on this earth. Got me? When you can tell the devil to leave, that's rulership. When you can resist him, that's rulership. When you can obey God, that's rulership. You got me? Don't play rulership cheap, folks. That means that you have the authority now to obey God. Not to do what you want to do, but to obey God. Amen? You work under his authority. So let's not get it twisted. So we are intact and complete. The the word uh, for complete really means to carry out. Means something has been carried out in us. And I believe that something is God's original plan for us. So when God completes us, when it says we are complete in him, it means that God's original plan for our life is now being carried out in Christ. It can't be carried out any other way. So really, that completeness means that we have a testimony. There was something about us before, now it's different and it's being carried out according to the original plan. So that's what you have going for you as a believer is your testimony. Don't ever lay that down, try to hide it, be ashamed of it, don't want to go back to it, don't want to share it with people. Your testimony tells that God's original plan for you is now being carried out. I had a diversion in the original plan for my life. Amen. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But God called me back to him by the life of his son. And he redeemed me and he purchased me out of that. And so the original plan is being carried out. So the completeness really is a carrying out of God's original plan. It doesn't mean that that there was something missing necessarily from you even though we know it was it was the life of God but you had a life you were carrying out somebody else's plan before you got saved you were carrying out the enemy's plan you were on a diverted hijacked course in life Hmm? 
by deception he was able to get iniquity in the uh, the the uh, strain of humanity and so by truth God redeemed us not trickery not deception you can't trick people into serving Christ you can't soft pedal the gospel you can't water it down you can't milk toast it you can't you can't alter it in any way to make it so that people will receive the Lord the Bible says that we are to preach the gospel that means we are to say it under the unction of the Holy Spirit not take God's words and and grind them up in your brain and try to make them sound nicer so you think people will want it it's not hard to digest if you're really saved you digested it complete and intact so when you have Christ we are complete in him that word uh, complete means to be assured completely assured there should be no doubt anymore that you belong to God there should be no doubt anymore that you can get souls won there should be no doubt anymore that God wants there should be no doubt it's a complete assurance now it means to accomplish entirely you may feel like you haven't done much but that's wrong that's just a feeling you are totally complete in him the peace of God assures that that's the first thing that you get you have made peace with God through the blood of the cross that peace is a sign that you're complete peace will have you go to sleep at night and not worry about a thing see that's a sign of completeness there's nothing wrong with you you're not lonely you're not hungering for anything you're not missing anything you're not (laughs) if you let God do what he wants to do you experience that I remember my husband passed away and I was talking to God about it and he said if you'll let me hmm and see I have a word for people who feel that they are things they can't get over you're lying to yourself you just haven't let God do the work that he wants to do in you he'll remove bad memories and make them good memories he'll remove grief and pain and he'll make it joy he'll remove all of these things that hinder you from enjoying your life you're still alive you're not dead you know you miss that person sometimes but to be honest with you once I yielded to God and allowed him see a lot of times we think we have a right to certain things because the world tells you that you got a right to feel bad you know you got a right to well you know what I've also got a life to live I remember the day the Lord told me he said well I'm going to tell you this he said if you don't get up and move the devil's going to get you he's going to overtake you and you're going to be depressed in a way that you won't be able to get out of very easily you better move and so that day I moved you got me my father told me to move and I obeyed my father and I moved and I haven't gone back since see many times we get stuck in some kind of old mold 
old moldy old ways of doing things huh some kind of worldly thing worldly mentality that you have you know people say things like you know if you uh, if you're abused as a child you'll it's hard to get over well with the tools you use i guess so you know from one psychiatrist couch to the next from one pill to the next telling you one thing after another if jesus hadn't died for all of that we couldn't claim redemption from anything folks you can't claim redemption from your sin if you can't claim redemption from pain and sickness and hurt and wounds and everybody gets wounded everybody gets hurt everybody hurts somebody and everybody wounds somebody but he has a remedy for all of it amen he has a remedy for it all he bore our pains, carried our sicknesses, carried our sorrows, carried our troubles, took them away from us. He carried them away from us so we don't have to bear them anymore. And so the only thing left to do is to come out of it and come into life eternal and life that he's planned. And just complete carrying out what he's called you to do. Don't ever stop carrying out what God has called you to do people say that Ernest Angley his wife he is married very young uh, to a a woman their name was Angel they were like in their 20s and uh, they had just started their ministry in Ohio and and, uh, she she started talking about heaven one day and uh, she says oh I'm going to go be with the Lord and and so he said, he said, I didn't take her seriously. I said, woman, you ain't going nowhere. He said, you sleep in my pajamas when I ain't here. You're never going to leave me. You, you understand what I'm saying? They were that much in love. And she passed away very suddenly. And he was so hurt by it because he said, well, Lord, you tried to let me know, you know, what was on her mind and all of that. And, and so anyway, it is said that he went in seclusion just with him and God and he asked God for something to take the place of him missing his wife and God gave him a healing anointing very strong powerful anointing gave him more of himself and a work to do that would take his attention and his time you you see what I'm saying and so God has a remedy folks I don't know what your remedy might be for what you think you've lost, but he's got one for you. Amen. He's got one for you. And so God has a way to make us complete us, make us intact and complete in all things. We're not missing anything. We're not lonely for anything. We're not, you know, if anything, I can say this, I'm... I consider sometimes human company to be a distraction from time with God. Just to be honest with you. It's not that I don't enjoy people. Don't get me wrong. But God's a whole lot more you know my my flavor than most people are you know what i'm saying i mean on a full-time basis so you know it's just that way god will give you what you need and that's what i need i don't know what you need but that's that's what i need so everything though in christ has been done for us it's already been accomplished we have to put our faith in it you have to put your faith in the fact that it's been accomplished already for you you can't believe that something else needs to be done you know you can get into works with listening to the word or hearing the word or reading your bible it's easy to think because i do this you know so many hours a day i'm you know nope you gotta let faith take over faith comes by hearing 
Many times we're doing things we're doing, not paying attention to them. You got me? And so we, we have to understand that that faith, the work of faith in us and in our spirits, is what will help us to walk in the things that God has provided for us. So we have to put our faith in God's accomplishments on our behalf. The story of what Jesus did doesn't end just as a story of his accomplishment. But there's a purpose and we're very much attached to his purchase purpose. There's a purpose that he went to the cross for me. There's a purchase that he shed his blood for me. There's a purchase that he died for me. And you have to put yourself in the story in order for your faith to work and for it to benefit you. He did these things for us. When we think of carrying guilt or fear or sickness or worry, we need to focus on his punishment in our place. We could be there, but he he took our he pushed you out of the way when the beating came and he stood there and took it for you. You were hidden under the cleft of the rock and he stood there and took it for you. You would have been standing there but he moved you out of that place and he stood in that place on your behalf. And on behalf of all humanity. He need to get a picture of that. This isn't just a story. of. I know Jesus died on the cross. For who? What did he do it for? Can you see yourself being the, the recipient of the benefit of that? Was that full payment or do you still have to pay some? Did he live a bill owing? He's not that kind of God. There's nothing owing anymore. And so he did it. But you've got to believe that it's totally done. You've got to believe it's totally done. And if it's totally done, what are you doing here? What's your purpose and what's your function here? Huh? Is it not to die for him as well? Die to these things that we think are so important in life and all of the cravings that we have and all of the things we think are so important. Of course it is. We're to bear our cross every day. Pick it up and carry it. That cross that people make fun of you because of your religion. You, you go to that church and you give your money to God and all that kind of stuff. You know the things that we have to bear as, as people that stand out among them. We're standout people. But it comes with a price. It does come with persecution. So he he pleased the Father by standing in our place. A place we couldn't stand in. We couldn't handle the punishment. The Bible says he was marred more than any man. Centurion looked at him after, after his work on the cross was completed. And he said surely this was the Son of God. He saw that through his sufferings folks. A lot of Jesus' identity is accomplished through seeing his suffering. You know, it's not like we turn our heads away because we can't bear to watch that. You have to understand what was done for you. You know, if he could bring, if he could heal Mel Gibson through him meditating, he said, I I meditated on the fact that Jesus died in my place. He said, and I got healed from depression. And I made this movie to let the whole world know how important what he did was. Very simple. Very simple things. Because it brought the world down against him. But he obeyed God anyway. He obeyed God. And many times we don't even want to witness to our neighbor. We're scared. They may, they may not like me. They may not say the prayer. They may not. Well, you care. You just tell it anyway. Tell everything else. 
Talk about what's on TV. Talk about the sale you got some bought something at. You brag on that. Brag on him. So we are complete. You know, the completion comes in the total price that was paid for us. There's nothing owing. So we don't have to be afraid when we go to God. We don't measure up. Bring whatever faith you have, folks. You know what I'm saying? He'll work with it. We have a God who works with us. Always does. So it was his 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 payment for our sin was carried out to assure us that we're not lacking. We should have assurance that we're not lacking in anything. People who feel they're they are lacking in something when they're saved eventually go back to the old life. That's what that's for. It's not some kind of you know. Uh, uh, you know martyrdom martyr thing where you feel like oh I can't ask God for anything because it's really not about that it's a plot of the enemy to lure you back to defeat you from living for God to lure you back into the old life see just quit on it I can't, you know the, the biggest problem people do is they get an assembly of believers and start to compare themselves instead of looking up we look across Huh? And we never look up. See, I've gone to places where I know the people didn't want black people there. But I didn't look across. I looked up. God sent me there because that speaker has something for me. Just like they don't want people of a certain color, they're not going to like you because of the way you dress. They're not going to like you because of what you look like you, you represent. They're not going to like you because you don't look like you got money to give a big offering or something. They go, oh, somebody's always going to judge you wrong. But as long as you know God sent you there, there is something there for you. Go get what he got you to get and keep getting what he sent you there for. You're not there for for a comparison with other people. You're there to receive from God. Humble yourself, go in there and receive from God. So we're not lacking in any good thing. We have to trust that what God says is true. That the price has been totally paid for us. It was paid to God's satisfaction. Not man's. We don't ever judge what God does. He's satisfied. So that should make you accept it. That he's satisfied. He set the price. He set everything up. And he's satisfied that a complete total ransom price has been paid for everybody who will receive Christ. And so when that price is paid you know you're not lacking in any good thing. You're not waiting on some kind of deliverance or some kind of freedom or something like that. You are delivered. Huh? You're not waiting on a healing. You are healed. Huh? In our spirits there's a knowing of these facts. Huh? Even though your body might appear not to have caught up. You might have symptoms. You might have traces of of the old life. You might have ideas and thoughts that you want to go back that way or something like that. But God will win out overall. God will win out overall. I mean I've seen people stay away from the church for 30, 40 years. Come dragging back in you know when they're older. Because God wins out folks. The new birth is that strong. You might you might get deceived for a season, but God'll win out. So cuz our spirits are have a knowing of that fact.
Amen. So you know, once your 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 spirit man then begins to direct and conduct your life in a greater fashion, then the evidence shows up of your healing, the evidence of your redemption, the evidence of all of those things uh, begins to show up. But you are healed. You are delivered. The devil has no more claim on you. He's not stronger than God. You, you, you know many times we're just weak in our uh, desire and ability sometimes to fight. You have to challenge yourself in the way you think. Can't just let any thought come in and accept it and embrace it, and meditate it on it, and make it real, give it life that way. You have to war good warfare against your own self sometimes, against your own desires, against your own ideas, that kind of thing. So, but we are redeemed. We are whole. We are complete. We have uh, uh, an inheritance in God. And it's what we believe that really will make the difference in life. It's, it's that little thing of faith and believing that makes all the difference in the world. You'll see that when you, when you are challenged in the body of Christ by what you believe. You'll have other members of the body. The Bible talks about feeble parts. Parts that, that aren't as comely or aren't desirous and, and that kind of stuff. There are all kinds of appearances in the body of Christ. There's all kinds of levels of commitment, faith, knowledge, and understanding. All that's it varies. And sometimes we might receive a challenge from another member that, you know, our, our believing isn't correct or something like that. And God knows how to end all disputes. You know, he knows how to settle it all. All you do is go within and check with God to see if, if what they're saying is true. So it's never a threat to us to mingle with one another and talk with one another, share with one another, talk to one another. Because we, we have that connection and we have that, uh, I guess you could say it's a court of appeals that we can always appeal to. Is this right, God? Is this wrong, God? Is Should I change this? Should I repent? Should I come away from this way of thinking, move over onto that way of thinking? So we, we have to understand that. The body of Christ is also self-nourishing and self-healing. There is all we need within the body to heal itself. Now the human body or the physical man has that property. Your human body in under normal conditions when I mean normal I mean not with some ravaging disease that will overwhelm the body but just in the course of daily living your body is able to heal itself. All of the healing properties necessary are there in your body. I don't care if you get antibiotics or you don't get them. Your body can heal itself. Now there are some diseases that will lead to death unless some intervention is made but then we can make that intervention you can if if you are not capable in in your surroundings if you cry out to god he will direct you to another member of the body of christ with that ability with that power with that that ability to heal it's it's interesting i was watching um um uh bad people I forget which one <laughs> but it was it took place in Louisiana and uh, it was a um, the um, um, sheriff there 
had gotten a complaint from a woman that said she had gone to um, I forget what they call don't think they call them healers um, oh gosh they have another name that's similar to healing but apparently these people are very common down there and he said now and, and the woman said the healer took my money and that rose a red flag for the sheriff because he says oh yeah we have these people down there but they're not allowed to take money he said they're not permitted to take money and so we went and confronted the so-called healer woman of course the woman that she she took the money from wasn't healed she was ill she says arthritis and it was worse you know it wasn't any better that kind of thing and so they go to the sheriff and i guess it's legal for them to lodge complaints against these people and so forth and so on so they got sheriffs down there that enforce some of these spiritual so-called spiritual things kind of interesting i guess because it's so widely accepted in their culture and their society that it's already written into the laws what they're allowed not allowed to do and so when they he went and questioned this so-called healer woman that took the money and then the, the woman said oh no i didn't ask her for anything she she made a donation so it was a donation i didn't tell her to get i didn't charge her it was a don't she made a donation and so the woman denied this and said no it, she told me i had to pay a certain amount and so it was a dispute between the two of them so the sheriff said well i'm gonna watch her he said but i talked to my cousin and he knows a healer that's legitimate and he doesn't charge and so the sheriff directed the lady over there and she went to this gentleman and he laid hands on her and he said yeah he said what i do he said i I don't charge and i just i just pray silently for myself i pray in tongue i pray in in, and i pray to jesus i pray and i say here's man's picked up in their ignorance in their you know whatever whatever a gift from god to help people he laid hands on the lady the pain started to dissipate and he said i don't charge for anything he said it's a gift and he said i I prayed to god for this gift so i can be able to help people and so there are less comely parts of the body of christ now i don't recommend you go there you know people with healing ministry but if you're caught in louisiana to buy you and you can't get get you no legitimate no nothing you understand what i'm saying you don't tell god who to use you don't tell him who to use you don't tell him how to use people do you understand what i'm saying and so there's evidence when the body can heal itself the devil doesn't heal people folks i got news for you he does not heal people he does lying signs and wonders amen they don't he doesn't heal anybody healing belongs solely to jesus he himself took our infirmities he himself bore our sicknesses he himself bore our pains and so the the, our physical man though is able to heal itself know that when you have a cut or uh, any kind of invasion of your body your your white blood cells go to that area and form a wall around the wound and it seals it off so that it doesn't go any farther and it's the same thing with the body of christ we have a way of sealing off ourselves from the world so that we don't get infected with things that would cause the body to deteriorate and to to and the holy spirit lets you know he gives you discernment so you know what to let in and what not to let in 
So our and we have healing gifts within the body of Christ. If you are physically sick, the Bible has a remedy. You're to call for the elders of the church. You are to be under spiritual authority at all times. Body of Christ is like that. So we have an authority structure. In Ephesians 4.11 it tells you what that structure is. It's the fivefold ministry gifts. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and the teacher. It's poorly understood sometimes when people say are you a fivefold gift and I think boy oh boy oh boy I remember the day when nobody knew what that was and they still don't know much are they is it a fivefold gift place and you know that kind of stuff but anyway you know ministry gifts we should be able to discern who are the gifts of God by their anointing we we should know that God has a safeguard for you and that he assigns a body of believers for every one of his people we have assigned places by God for where he will meet with us and where all of your needs will be met. Some people go where they like to go. You need to go where you're assigned to go. If you have certain needs in your life, that assignment will fulfill those needs. There's no such thing as you needing to be healed and be in a church where there's no healing available. You're assigned to a place where your needs can be met. God makes sense. He won't have you starving over in a place and you give all your time, support, and money. People stay in places where there's no power because they just like things. They don't think church is a place where you get needs met. It's, it's a social thing where you go because you paid for a pew or you like the people or they treat you nice or you know whatever but we don't see it in a truly spiritual vein the way God sees it so our physical man has the power to heal itself and so does the body of Christ there are gifts within the body of the ministry gifts and then within those ministry gifts there are other gifts of the Holy Spirit 1 Corinthians 12.7 tells us that, that there are gifts of healings, miracles within the body of Christ. Within the body of Christ. You've got to ask God when you have a need. You've got to ask God how that need's going to be met. You don't go running off looking for what you think you need. You're directed by God to where that need will be met. The whole body profits when we are healed have wisdom have knowledge and have power and that's why the gifts of the spirit are peculiar to the body of Christ they are not for the world they are managed by the church they are the peculiar property of the church they are the peculiar treasure of the church and so God will will use the body of Christ to heal itself to take care of itself and to nourish itself the fivefold ministry gifts provide the nourishing for the body of Christ we provide the teaching we provide the understanding we provide it according to what God has ordained for that congregation at that time and so it's very important for the ministry gifts to obey God in their ministering and so we do that everybody's taken care of everybody's healed everybody's delivered everybody's set free everybody can receive everything that God has provided you receive your inheritance on what the ministry gifts provide it's very important to your inheritance 
Because if you don't have understanding of the word and you're not under the authority of the church, then you won't get much. You got me? So people who run in and run out, you know, sometimes people aren't consistent. They don't go very often. They get a little bit off television and they run to the local church and see what's there. You know, that's that's not sheep stuff. You know, that's a little derangement there. So you have to humble yourself and ask God to direct you. Once you're directed, just go where you need to go and stay there and and allow God to help you. I was speaking with a a woman, a waitress that waited on us in a restaurant. And um, she was telling me that she had started going to a church with told her what you know told her about our ministry and so forth and she was going to a church and uh, she was saying yeah I stayed away from church for a long time and I said yeah that's a common story I said a lot of people go in and she said I'm not doing it anymore she was very ad- I'm not doing that anymore and so whatever happened she learned her lesson and she got herself into the house of God vowing never to do that anymore and, and hopefully she'll be able to stay there and keep that vow many times the things issues that uh, we give into and weakness keep cropping up, you know, if they're not dealt with. You know, uh, people get easily offended. You know, it always amazes me when people come to a church, get offended, and leave. They're always expecting the other people to show love but they don't expect that of themselves and I think until that expectation turns around the devil continue to use them to chase them from one place to the next and and not ever be stable Um, when the Bible talks it's talking to the person who's reading it when the Bible tells you you are to love people and treat them in the way that you desire to be treated. It's talking to you. It's not talking to other people about you. And what happens is many times people in their weakness and immaturity kind of flip it around. And make themselves judges over other people's behavior. Which is never permitted by God. And so the enemy will use this kind of reverse mirror thing. And that we think it's reflecting on everybody else except us. And we're not supposed to be the ones to give. We're here to receive. And if we don't get it, then we're mad. And then we go someplace else and we talk about everybody and and you never grow. It's a plot of the devil to keep you from growing. It's just like if you had a a flower and you said, boy, this is a pretty flower. I'm going to plant it here. And you say, no, I love it too much. I'm going to move it over here. And you keep digging it up and replanting it. What do you think is happening to the roots of that flower every time you move it? What do you think is happening to the life of that plant every time you move it? So it's a good thing to pray about where you're supposed to be. Start getting fed there. You know where you belong. You know where you get fed. And you know where you grow. And so this is, and you know where you work. Where are you called to work for God? And so all of these things God will supply to you, but you have to cooperate with that. Because you need to understand that the body of Christ is self-nourishing and self-healing. If you never mature, how are you going to help somebody else? Because there's much more involved here than what we think we're getting out of the situation all the time. We've got to see ourselves as getting mature and then be able to give. And so that's the important part of our growth and, and our ability and our desire <coughs> to be in a self-healing body. The body of Christ is also infused with divine life. We need to understand that divine life 
requires something of us. It provides something for us. But it also has rules and limitations that will come into play in our life when we realize that we have divine life in us. And uh, Romans 8 verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So the Holy Spirit dwelling in you quickens or gives life to you. And this is a different type of life than your natural life. This is an eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God. It it was here before you were here. Got me? Your natural life started when you were conceived. But eternal life was always here. So you're infused with a life that you didn't create. You probably don't understand. <laughs> you don't know much about it. But you got more or less a stranger living within you that you've got to get to know. As you grow in God. And that's pretty much the the gist of it. So all of your Christian life is centered around getting to know God. Getting to know him through Jesus Christ. Getting to know him through the life of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit has a way of protecting you now because you have divine life in you. He leads you and guides you into all truth. If you hear something that's not true, he will let you know. If you hear something that is true, he will confirm it and affirm it. Sometimes you'll hear things and you're not sure. And he'll let you know that. So he talks to us all the time. He reaffirms the things of God. He strengthens the things of God. He leads us in a way where the divine life will be protected. I remember uh, when we were, I was still, I had a few prayers. It it seemed like when I was first uh, putting together the prayer manual, getting the prayers from the Lord and writing them down, it seemed like there was always one more prayer. One more prayer. And then finally got to the day that all the prayers were there. You know, one more prayer. And so, and many times God would show me the need for them through situations that I had come through. And so we had been on a trip one time to go to a conference and hear the word and all of that. And it just seemed like there was one, one, uh, issue after another. You know, some things, you know, you go into atmospheres and, you know, it's, demon screaming at you in the airport and you know and that's just the mild stuff I mean it, it goes downhill from there until a point where we were coming home and then the pro- plane malfunctioned but they caught it on the runway and so and they were sure they could fix it and you know you talk about being between a rock and a hard place you want to say you know what I think I'm going to walk and just get off of their plane and, and kimble on out of there and get a hump in your back and get your bags and go home. But, you know, I, I could tell the Lord was restraining us just to have faith in him. And, you know, it took maybe an hour for the repair and it was already late. One of the ladies that, that was with us, you know, she was always talking about it. You know, all the people she had gone to their meetings. And, you know, she's always bragging about her. Oh, yeah, Raha, Raha, Bonka. And, uh, you know, as I say, everybody, she just knew them all. You know, rattling off names. She kept coming up to me telling me, 
I don't know about this. You know, I was a great woman of faith and power. You know, she's, you know. But anyway, we decided, I decided, I said, well, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I said, I'm just going to pray. I said, and I'm going to believe you and just not do anything until you tell me to move. And so he never said anything except stay. And we were able to get back home. But it was right after that he gave us the prayers on protection and he he said protecting a precious cargo and I said oh really he said I'm talking about the Holy Spirit you know what I'm saying (laughs) not you the Holy Ghost you know the Holy Ghost in you and you you go along for the ride and so I began to understand that God had a way of protecting himself in the earth so protecting us really is protecting us because divine life is in us now and we have to realize that. That as long as we have God's spirit in us, we are afforded certain privileges, certain protections, certain uh, defenses that we would not get had we not received Christ. So this is part of our covenant, but it is it is to keep the life of God secure down here in the earth because if you think about it once once you're born again the enemy knows you carry divine life if he can stop you amen he'll stop the plan of God and so if if it weren't for the fact that God has already set up protection and defenses for us we would get picked off one by one as soon as we're saved the enemy had a way of picking us off and getting but there is a protection that comes through this divine life and the fact that Christ dwells in us affords us protection to a, a great degree that we would not have otherwise um, I can remember uh, God God showing up in in situations where I felt um, threatened or I felt like I was going to do something that I shouldn't do you understand me and so he protects you from yourself from harm in the Holy Spirit and he protects others you from others who would want to harm you because God has placed his spirit in us so the spirit of Christ dwells in us and it raised up Jesus from the dead it's a resurrection power and a resurrection life and for that reason must be under God's control at all times this is not a power that you it operates through you you cooperate with it it does not core him he does not cooperate with you you cooperate with him even though it may seem that you are initiating many things you are being prompted by the Holy Spirit you are being uh, protected by the Holy Spirit you are being led by the Holy Spirit you know sometimes you get up in, in, in the morning and have an idea I'm going to do this during the day and, and you go do that and you find out that's an opportunity where God led you to witness to somebody or minister to somebody or pray for somebody um, you think that was your idea to go there but that was never your idea we are led by God at all times and this divine life that's in us has the properties 100 percent properties of God in other words whatever you do under the unction of the spirit you have to believe that's as much as God would do if he were in that situation you also got to understand that when God sends you to do something it's because you're qualified to do it he doesn't send the unqualified you know, many times I've I've talked to people, and I, you know, the thought comes to me after the conversation. Gee, I wish I would have said, 
Or gee I wish I would have done. Or gee I wish I meant, you know gee I wish. Well that's second guessing the spirit of God. Trust me whatever he leads you to do that's all that needed to be done in that situation. That's it. That's the, the most of it. And so God is able to allow this divine life to be lived through us in different degrees in different manners to do different functions to do different things many times we encourage people and that's a ministry of God you understand what I'm saying we always want to do the spectacular if it's not extraordinary it ain't God you couldn't do extraordinary if you wanted to so in many times we second guess and criticize and all this kind of stuff but you must know that if you've made yourself available to God and when I say available I mean you've really prayed and you God I'm your representative I'm your servant here whatever you need done here I want to be in that place to do that for you and I want to live a life that keeps me equipped to do it you know you can't serve God and mammon you can't serve the devil on one hand and God on the other hand you can't be found and one of the decisions I made was never to drink anymore because we have uh, people that need prayer and they have my number you want to call a drunk preacher to pray for you and that's not legalism. That's my gift to Jesus because he gave his life for me. You think I can't pass up some drinks every now and then so I can stay sober? This is living for God, folks. I don't live the other way anymore. You understand? This is living for God. Now, if you think that's excessive, that's on you. That's your business. But I'm telling you, God has honored that in more ways than you could imagine. See, when I go to pay my bills, my bills get paid. When I go to do something for God, he supplies the need. You got me? I'm not going to shortchange. I'm not going to let him and a beer stop me from being everything I could be in God. It's nonsense. The same thing with forgiveness. I keep short accounts with God. Always have, always will. I don't let grudges hold me into unforgiveness and bitterness and always hanging about what they did to me and quick to snap at people because in my heart I don't really like them you understand what I'm saying you got to understand this folks that, that this life is a different life and that's part of divine protection the Holy Spirit's protecting himself so that he can get free in you so that he can use your mouth your hands your words your everything to bless humanity he's not thinking about restricting you from having fun shouldn't be fun anyway if he lives in you he'd let you know what ain't fun huh <laughs> they not fun and so we we need to understand these things folks this is what protecting the precious cargo of god is you don't want to push the holy spirit and crowd him in with a bunch of bitterness and anger and and resentment and all that other stuff we we like to pretend like we don't have but it's still there you need to ask him to clean you out get all the miscreants malefactors malevolence <laughs> all the mouths get them out of me lord clean house holy spirit so you have free reign to do whatever it is that you want to do we done miss wana father we thank you for what we go to a second tape i bet oh shoot well we'll stop well you know we thank you lord for blessing us to know who we are as a body 
of believers. We're a sanctified holy body. Set apart to be used by you for your goodness and your glory. And we thank you for it Lord and we bless you in Jesus name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer come on up for prayer. I will pray her for you.